I have a taste for luxury luncheons, and luxury luncheons have a taste for me. <laughs> so dumb. The blacker the berry, the sweeter the revenge. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm I'm here for a juicy episode. You guys, it's Andy's girls. What is even happening today? Wow. I a lot happening, a lot going on. And you know, there have been some upsetting news and updates uh recording this Monday night. So I am so happy to have a little bit of a reprieve. Um, thanks to a return guest on the People's People's Couch, Clawfist, Zoom, Kiki, etc., and whatnot. You know her as host of the podcast, Everyone's Business But Mine. Welcome back to Andy's Girls. I just realized I wrote your name as Katie Perry. I oh, would love to thank go. Apple Bye. Autocorrect for changing you to a pop star. Although maybe we'll have you do a 16 bar cut. Who's to say, Cara Berry? How are we? Oh, wow. I mean, I was better before the Katy Perry uh, comparison, but you know what? Neither of us have Grammys, so we do have that in common. Uh, does Katy Perry not have a Grammy? She does not. Not a single one? Uh-uh. Not even like a fake one? Like she did an audiobook, which is a real one, but it's a fake one. When you EGOT, it's a fake one. Nope, not even, really? not even through osmosis. Nope. nope. <laughs> well, she sang for the king, so well, there's that. Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Kara, so how are we? How are we doing today? How are we feeling? You know, highs and lows. I'm really happy to be here. I'm happy to talk to you, talk through everything that we watched in the past 24 hours, even. It's been a lot. <laughs> I feel like there has been a lot. And I do just want to mention um, what essentially we are all discussing and, and uh, mourning online, the deaths of um, two uh, people who bring a lot of have brought a lot of meaning. Um, Paul Rubens, also known as Pee Wee Herman, um, passed away after battling cancer. And right before essentially recording, we found out that Angus Cloud, uh, Euphoria star, died um, a week after, according to his family who released a statement, a week after burying his dad. And was 25 years old. I mean, are you a Euphoria person? Are you a Euphoria fan? Big time. Big time. I was like totally all in on the show from episode one. And yeah, like I I love it. I love like a dark teen hour long drama. Like that's for me. I was a Skins girl back in the day. Um, And yeah, I loved Angus, Angus Cloud. He was just like such a light, such a just like a you just like see him and you just cared for him immediately and he was just so charismatic and just seemed like just like a different kind of person like somebody who just had it and it's just so sad 25 is entirely too young entirely too young it's so sad entirely too young and i can't imagine the heartbreak his family is experiencing to go through um not only the loss of his father but also um the loss of Angus. And I have to say, I was like a little late to the euphoria train because I had a different idea of what the show was going to be. I thought it was going to be like 
darker. Well, actually, no, it's it was darker than I imagined, but more violent in a way mm, than I mm-hmm. thought. And I found that even though it can be very upsetting and it and is very dark, it is really, really well done. And that's genuinely thanks to the performers, the actors who are in the cast. Um and the the job of casting of casting obviously in addition to Zendaya a lot of newcomers who hadn't performed before who were really scouted um, right. and a- Angus was one of them and i he was like my favorite part of the show even though everyone genuinely was tremendous whenever i saw him on screen i was just so captivated to the point of distracted because it felt like he was carrying the entirety of the universe in his eyes. There was just something about him that was so grounded and beautiful and sad. And it just felt like I never had enough Angus on screen to watch. He was the the person whose story and whose performance would always just stay with me. I could never really get out of it and I never wanted to. He was just unbelievably beautiful. Right, right. Shout out to him. He did, he made like such a presence on this earth in his short time here. And I just like, I'm I'm so sad for his family and for all of us. What a loss. Yeah, it, it's it's an an incredible loss. And his family put out a statement today, and a part of the statement said, Angus was open about his battle with mental health, and we hope that his passing can be a reminder to others that they are not alone and should not fight this on their own in silence, which um, I can't think of a more important legacy to leave behind, albeit one that I wish hadn't come with such high a cost. And just want to acknowledge before we dive into the world of housewives mm-hmm. that um, for those of us here in the U.S., 988 is the suicide and crisis lifeline and help is available. You can speak with someone at any time available 24 hours, 988. We don't have a lot of information yet about um what ultimately transpired with the circumstances surrounding his death. But I just think um, uh, inspired by his family's response and the call to discussing the importance of mental health, that um, that's a resource uh, that people should be aware of. And we'll include it in the show notes for this episode. Absolutely. Cara Berry, so much has happened in the world. Cara Berry, Katy Perry, so much has happened in the world of Housewives Mm. over the last, obviously, 24 hours with the episodes we just saw Atlanta, New York. But there was a lot of other shit that happened, including the possibly surprising announcement that Lenny Hochstein is now engaged and I mean who better to encapsulate positive feelings about that than his um estranged wife Lisa uh who posted to her stories congrats to my current husband and his mistress on their engagement (laughs) like a true icon does I mean (laughs) to quote Mary Cosby there's a lot going on and I just like I, I thank the Hochsteins, Mr. and Mrs. and even future Mrs. Um, for all of their work, all of the time that they spend talking to Page Six, all the 
all the effort that goes into showing just how much they hate each other and how much they're over their relationship, but they're like definitely more over it than the other one is. And like, um, you know, but they're also like an awful parent. No, you're an awful parent. No, you're asking for too much money. No, I'm not asking for enough money. Just like, a, there's just so much and we're eating, we're eating. We are eating. And there was a comment on the post of his engagement. And if you haven't actually seen the entirely, absolutely not staged proposal video <laughs> where it's essentially oh my everything but action and cut, really, I <laughs> Kara's doing a little pantomime <laughs> in this moment. Um, I, I say, you know, go on over to Lenny's social, if only to see the comment that his mother uh posted in response to their proposal announcement saying, I will be very happy that this time you are getting a woman who love and respect you. You certainly did not have that in your previous marriage. Good luck. Congratulations. Red heart emoji. I have so many questions. You know, like we're two single gals in the city, right? And I feel like we have a certain set of standards. To me, my first question is like, if I'm 27, hot, legs as far as the eye can see, you know, like, <laughs> if they're, you know, like, whatever the hell's going on with Katharina, you know, all of the things, right? Mm -hmm. And you see this man with his like mid 50s body, you know, when they, they get that kind of like barrel chest sort of thing going. I mean, I do love a dad bod. Let me just tell you. I what. do too. And I have dated, but Lenny. you know, spiritually mid 20s plus, <laughs> plus a couple decades. Some, some, some fair, of it accidental, some enough. of it without my awareness. But is it Lenny's bod? Is it Lenny's bod? I mean, listen, <laughs> he's a plastic surgeon. He's a guy who I, I think what's inside counts to be honest and his Which is inside what, is just so it's curdled it's a curdled <laughs> inside this man is not a good man it's like the body stuff I get it but I just am like oh and also yes she looks you know it's it's the game that I um sometimes play while I'm walking through the Upper East Side called um you know grandpa <laughs> or boyfriend grandchild mm -hmm. or boyfriend husband mm -hmm. like it's you don't really know with some of these um, folks just walking down the street really what their what their you know hashtag seeking arrangement is with each other Hello. and Hello. you know Lenny and his new Mrs. To Be as soon as he finalizes his divorce at whatever decade in whatever decade that will happen. It's just he's just such a piece of shit. He's always been a piece of shit. This right. is the. This is the thing that annoys me that I completely understand why it happens, but it annoys the fuck out of me, which is when a housewife comes on and she's like interesting or dynamic or sweet or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's got a piece of shit who is her husband. And she then has to devote how much of her time and internal resources trying to convince the rest of her cast, let alone the audience, that he's not a bad guy. I mean, we're watching it happen. We've watched it happen with Drew and Ralph on Atlanta. Oh, yeah. It's just, it, and then you have to carry with you the baggage of feeling that this bad person is representative of who you are and what you'll accept. And it's just such a fucking toxic cycle. I think about that with Jesus Jugs all the time. Like, Jim... Ugh. 
Jim used to live to like call out how stupid he perceived her to be. Like he really like his dick would get so hard to be like, haha, look at my dumb bitch wife. Like he loved it. <laughs> he lived for it. It just oh, like watch it back God. and you're horrified. Um, and yeah, it, that is Lenny to a T just bringing Lisa down and it's just like i if you okay like again to my point like you're hot and you're 27 you're watching this man hunched over talking to page six like don't you get the ick at one point like is it worth it is it worth it is it worth i mean if if you are thinking of lenny hoxstein and you're like man his personality is everything that i'm looking for then (laughs) there is i mean there's a whatever for every whatever but fuck i mean it's he he always sucked the difficulty was was in the earlier seasons when lisa really was trying to convince us that he was in and even in the first season of their return when they obviously were so deeply disconnected and she was trying to perform happiness which a lot of people do who aren't on TV. Right. The difficulty here is you're not uh, when you're not on TV, you're not dealing with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. I'm sure Bravo would want me to say millions, but like hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of thousands of people who have opinions about who you are based on how they view him. It's not a fair dynamic, but that's what it is. Yeah, and and we're all watching this man who can't make eye contact with you when you're trying to have like a romantic dinner for two in your backyard and he's looking at his phone and he's like not listening to what you say and then you want to be like, oh my God, it's our 15th anniversary. We've never been happier. He's working out so much and we're not having sex, but we're perfect. smile but if you guys had seen the smile that Kara just gave the screen I mean you're 100% right and it's just I'm I'm hopeful that she will soon be free I would assume that Lenny if he wants to get married again in the near future I mean he has a fiance so my guess is that is going to happen at some point will want to finalize the divorce settlement and maybe that will help Lisa in some way. Although he doesn't seem like a guy who's great at being, um, I don't know, more moderating in his leveraged hate. Here's my other thing is like, we also just, are gonna ignore the fact that Lisa has a whole boyfriend. Like <laughs> we are. We, no, it's okay. We we are. Because <laughs> we so it's like it's easier for the narrative almost to be like, poor Lisa. And it's like, yes, poor Lisa, like she's, you know, in a terrible situation with her husband and their family. Sure. But also like she's being she's she seems happy. We need a we need to focus on that. Effectively she's winning the situation in my eyes. Like she's not gonna have to put a ring on it, probably. Yeah, I. <laughs> but God bless, God bless them both for doing that. But like this, like he proposed to me on top of an ancient pirate cave. Like, why do you care <laughs> in Spain? What does that have to do with either of you? Okay, what? <laughs> oh God, it's it's inter- It does feel like 
this is about really neither of them. And oh no, this is for us, honey. This is all this for us. is for us. And we didn't want it. We didn't ask for no. it. But somehow we do feel like we're being fed, not in the way that Lenny would want, but certainly in a way that's keeping us, I guess, satiated until next season happens. Can you imagine the press run? Lisa's first time back to watch what happens. Oh. This is going to be a huge fucking part of it is just dragging Lenny to absolute hell, which I'm extremely into. She's going to wear like the, the smallest, the tiniest little dress you could ever imagine. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she's going to be so passive aggressive. I'm going to live for it. Um, do we want to just put a bet out now that he's going to wear white tux to the wedding or what? <gasps> Oh, and do you think he's going to get married on a beach, maybe? I'm picturing definitely outside. Definitely outside. Definitely outside. outside. Which is just not... I mean, we love an outside wedding, I guess, but fuck, you got to make sure those temperatures are okay. You need to have a fallback plan if it rains. You got to get the angle right because, you know, he's got those plugs. You don't (laughs) want to see that through the sunshine. It's real bright. Real bright. And you know she's going to wear a panina dress. I'm calling that right now. Oh, my God. 100% she's going to wear a panina dress. <laughs> which, P.S., I haven't seen Say Yes to the Dress in a minute. But when Panina Tournay, uh, like, twirls on over into Kleinfeld, you know that bride is going to be dropping easily 20K. Oh. And that's, I guess, during a sale. Mm, I mean, mm-hmm. my God. For it's sure. an event. For it's sure. an event for your Amex. It's absolutely an A event. thousand percent. You get it. You get it. I mean, speaking of events, I <laughs> this I am a little out of it. I am still recovering from the Jill Zarin luxury lunch, which I attended in Southampton. Mm. And there were so many stars among us. Wow. Um, uh, Cynthia Bailey, Luann. Wendell, who won Survivor, who told me <laughs> how Survivor works. Sure. And I was like, what's an elevator? Even though I've seen many seasons, I was like, remind me how that works. Somebody survives. Like, it just iconic. Um, Julia Hart, Netflix star Julia Hart. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Jill Zarin, Kristen Takeman. Do you know, um, like, Oprah back in the day had her Legends Ball? Was this like Jill Zarin's Legends Ball? I thought of it a little bit as Jill Zarin's ultimate girls trip since she wasn't Mm. cast on New York Legacy, but I have watched the special episodes of the Oprah Legends Ball many, many times and in fact used that as inspiration when I was producing an event um, to ensure that I wore red when no one else (laughs) was allowed because there is something quite beautiful about mandating the color of attire for your superstar, superstar, superstar guests and showing up in fucking fire engine red. That woman is an icon among us. She is an (laughs) angel. And if you can, I think it might be on YouTube. Honestly, Mm -hmm. you have, you you have to, and you have to watch it in its entirety. The brunch, it's the only way brunch. It's, it's literally iconic. It's iconic. Yeah. Get comfortable. Your life is about to change. Yes. And the event from the position of comfort was less than comfortable because for whatever reason, the event is always scheduled, seemingly always scheduled on like the hottest week of the year, late July. Right. It always it consistently happens. And the temps were above 100 real feel. 
And the press line, which is where I was trying to herd cats, was direct in direct sun with like literally nothing, just the gates of hell style right. temperatures just dragging us into the abyss. And by the end, I had spent, I don't remember, maybe three hours trying to get an interview with Jill, which I did get. Um for a piece or for some stuff that's going to be coming out soon. But I mean, at one point I was like begging her for an interview. I said, <laughs> Jill, please, I just need to talk to you for one minute. And she took my hand so that like she didn't forget me and held my hand while she was talking to other attendees. And I was so mm -hmm. hot and so uncomfortable. Yeah. And the only reason I survived genuinely is because an AG had reached out to me days prior and said, listen, there's a sodium supplement thing you should look into. It's called Element. You, it's going to like change your life. I started taking it. I got approval from some docs. And I really do think that's the only reason I didn't die because really? I have a sodium issue wow. because I was hopped up on like <sighs> 4,000 milligrams of sodium. Oh my God. And then I stuff happened mm -hmm. and had some interesting like genuinely like a interesting albeit shortened conversation with Jill when I had the chance to um to interview her mm -hmm. briefly and um you know at one point she called Gary her boyfriend over to join the interview and it felt very as similar <laughs> as as one does because who, who doesn't want Gary's advice and perspective on right. Jill's reunion with Bethany? That's that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and uh, and it felt sort of similar to the moments in the reunion podcast between Bethany and Jill, where Jill's like, Allie, what's your opinion? And Bethany's like, she's not here. Yeah, you're not. You can't call it's Allie supposed anymore. to be just you and I uh. don't ask for a witness. <laughs> and there was a moment where she was like. Gary's opinion and I was just had to do a reset and was like Jillian it's you and I babe <laughs> we gotta I... we gotta get some stuff we I gotta I can't I gotta get some stuff and then unfortunately um and she was lovely by the way and the re the the interview had to end shortly thereafter because Gary told her she absolutely needed to stop the interview with me writing for an outlet which Jill kept reminding him of um because she needed to take photos with her branded pickleball paddle stuff. And I, if I hear pickleball paddles one more time, Girl. and they were asking me if, if I had seen the pickleball paddles, and I was like, I only understand tennis. Like, I'm not. I'm not taking it on. Okay. Like, I'm not. I, I know that I'm they I'm disengaging. The, the thing out there in Central Park. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. It has taken over. Not to be like too coastal elite, but like, I was feeling you when you were saying like end of July in the Hamptons, like it's too fucking hot. You don't want to be out there. Mm -mm. And also like pickleball has really taken over the city in a way that I'm uncomfortable with. Just like, <laughs> I feel also very deeply. And this is like, I tell, I try to workshop this on a lot of people and nobody ever feels me, but I just feel very strongly that Australians have taken over New York brunches in a way that like, I just, can't deal with anymore like you guys started with the avocado toast and it's just gotten out of control for me like the whole lower east side you can't go anywhere if it's not australian but that's neither here nor there the pickleball i can't do it i'm not doing it i refuse i don't 
don't understand what it is, which I feel like is an entry for someone probably a Lenny type to explain it to me. And I just, I would rather not know. I think I'm pretty happy not understanding pickleball. And while I really encourage anyone to have an outlet for self-care and exercise, pickleball would not personally be the route. I mean, I, you know, retail therapy, you know, running through a sample sale, those those do count as steps. Like I, Mm -hmm. I just, I can't take it on. It was just, he kept saying, you know, the pickleball guy is here. He's going to leave Jill. And I was just like, sir, (laughs) like this is, we have waited how many years for Jill and Bethany to reunite. I'm asking this woman. what that was like for her (laughs) but we have to end it so that the pickleball guy because he's like oh pickleball he's like a pickleball pickleball magnet magnate has to has to be in some photos my my goodness i feel like a lot of the crypto people hopped over to pickleball real quick and i i notice (laughs) it i i see what's happening oh my god oh my god wait can i just shift away a little bit this is a i don't know why but i feel like thinking about pickleball and crypto does make me feel a certain way about whatever the fuck is going on in atlanta Kara just said said right about certain way and then I was like about Atlanta and she was like nope absolutely not absolutely I just feel like there's something I don't entirely understand you don't get it yeah okay I I don't there's just some stuff going on where I'm like is Courtney the new crypto like I feel like people are trying to convince me that Courtney is it and I'm like I don't think she is i don't think this is the pitch she's not that girl i'm getting so tired of it and you're absolutely right i call her cousin corny for a reason because she's absolutely corny and whack and she's like the voice and she just tries so hard to be funny to be clever to be witty to like get one off on somebody who's like way out of her league and i'm just like i'm tired of it like it's like having your friend's little sister around like i don't want to deal with you i'm babysitting It does feel, it feels like, yeah, the Courtney era is giving me a little something. I mean, it's, it's, it's not great. I'm not loving it. I talked a lot about the um, Atlanta reunion seating, which came out over the weekend on an episode of the AG Patreon, which came out also over the weekend. And I just, the thing is like, it just left me befuddled like there's <laughs> and I didn't think this the new episode was bad I actually no. thought there's some like good stuff coming from this and mm-hmm. my favorite part I rewatched it before we started recording my favorite part was when Manyata and I think cousin were arguing with each other and Manyata goes like 
okay um i'm so sorry thank you so much <laughs> and she gives that look of like i'm gonna fucking kill you uh-huh. like when you say to someone be well and what you mean is i'm dragging you to hell in my sure. mind yeah i just at that moment where she was like yeah oh my gosh thank you so much you're totally right thank you minetta is another odd bird for me but like i can i can stomach her in a way that i can't with courtney Corny, excuse me. <laughs> Apologies. We need to remember her formal, her formal name, her formal title. Within the the context of this whole recording, this Chagas, of what was Marlowe's intention in sending the video to Latoya? Latoya, is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember anybody on Atlanta right now, which is. <laughs> has never happened before with me in the history of Atlanta but I literally watched the episode twice and I was like I know I enjoyed it but truly none of this is staying with me it's not it's going (laughs) it's getting flushed straight out yeah yeah I'm with you I wish I had seen the date but you know Candy does her like speak on it after show on YouTube and she had LaToya on at some point and LaToya was like full stop I kissed uh drew 100 and i think but i'm like 99 sure that this was before this even became a storyline this was like just them talking without fear of retribution of whatever the hell drop it with drew's gonna do um but like i think we're all on the same page of like if drew had just admitted to it this wouldn't be such a big deal but like you're making it such a secret and so scandalous and like whatever if it was just like oh like it seemed like a lot of girls made out with a lot of other girls that night and nobody really thought it was that big of a deal um with the exception of tanya who we never saw again she fucked right back off to canada and was like (laughs) bye guys (laughs) but other than that like if i feel like if drew had just been like yeah we kiss then like if this wouldn't who cares i don't does anybody really care is that the scandal At one point, Drew said she thought Candy was lying in order to make her feel more comfortable with her possible movie role that she was like, she was producing. And I thought to myself, so she went back in time, I guess, (laughs) to the night that this happened. Right. Because wasn't it talked about then? She's been planting the seeds since like 2020. Really? Okay. Like. Truly, this is back to the future. Yeah. I don't think I don't think that's going to work out. I don't think the math ain't mathin'. Like, sweetie. For a straight to on demand movie. Like, let's be real here, Drew. Come on. Come on. Listen, Todd Tucker chasing that EGOT <laughs> any which way he can. It does not make any sense to me. Drew is such a fool. And like to look at anybody in that room and be like, I'm going to accuse candy of lying you could have pointed your finger at anybody else anybody else but not candy why candy is when have we ever seen candy full-on just lie for for what for what reason ciao ags i am speaking to you right now from rome italy where i am having a little bit of a european adventure while i love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites the vatican we went to the pantheon earlier today there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in and while i 
really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat. There was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make 
eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads. Love where you live. And also, I think that's her number one trigger is being called a liar. That's like the the thing that's going to upset her more than anything else. Is this worth it? Is saying that she is a liar worth it? But alternatively, what if it didn't happen? I mean, like, is it possible that they thought they saw something that didn't occur? Because Latoya's back next week, according to the trailer and is like it didn't happen sure but i mean it's also possible that i'm like married to chris evans you know (laughs) yes it is possible (laughs) it absolutely is possible i mean i have a chris manzo pillow that i'm literally staring at (laughs) in the guest chair that was sent to me by a friend so i mean i am in a relationship with both christopher manzo and pedro pascal for and sure i'm trying to juggle you know it's it's really hard to demanding people with demanding lives mm-hmm. and we just do our best yeah. we just do our level best is how we try to make it through and i feel like i think that's maybe the energy of of large aspects of atlanta this season is doing our level best to just kind of make it through and where's the level it's, it's down there where is the level and and what's your sense of things even amongst the cast like where do you feel marlo fits into this are you feeling any kind of curiosity about the behavior that you're watching play out on these episodes <laughs> um you know i watched the carlos king interview with nini and something that she said really stuck with me because i've always wanted to articulate this about kenya which is that she's just like not a star she is a great player she's a great person on the cast but she's just not she can't carry the show and i feel the same way about marlo is that like she needs somebody to like go toe-to-toe against and i don't think these are the right people definitely candy's not the one and i just think that like kenya needs somebody to like play off of like a porsche or a nini and she's just not really getting that and then the times that we have seen this season of the girls getting along it's like them painting and doing color me mine and like the crickets are chirping and the paint's drying and the tumbleweeds blowing and it's they're like yeah this is really great and it's just not working for me. I feel the same way about Sheree. Like, Sheree's very funny, but, like, you have to give her something to work with. Like, this part where Drew was just lying to her in the beginning of the episode was great. Where she's like, mm-hmm, yeah. Like, and just, like, just, like, <laughs> letting her lie. Just letting her go on and on and on. Like, I love that. But, yeah, like, overall, it's just, like, it's not... I, I feel like nobody's having a good person to play with. Yeah. And then the episode sort of quasi wraps with the reveal of Ralph texting Marlo. Who was it? Marlo mm-hmm. to tell her to shut the fuck up. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Drew's just waiting for the text, which Drew likely wrote and sent to Ralph and said, while you're doing whatever you are up to, you can do me a solid and send this response. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I was going to stop you and be like, wow, do you really think that they're that much of a team? But you're saying that he did this under <laughs> duress, which makes a lot more sense. Under. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that that would make sense. They're both of them are so fun to watch because they think that they're smarter than the viewer and they're not. And that's so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do you think that Drew deserves to stay on the show? Do you think that she's like oh, yeah. adding value? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's not in the way that she thinks she is. But never, never in the way that she thinks. <laughs> it's, it's never been that, Sarah. It has never been that. Never once in the way that she thinks. But yeah, I would like to see single Drew. I would like to see if she starts telling the truth about Ralph. I would like mm. to see, you know, like kind of like when we met Portia and she was with that man, Cordell. That was a very different Portia than the Princess of Thotlandia that we ended up with. And I would like to see both sides of Drew Sedora. I really would. I mean, I wonder, it seems like their divorce is pretty contentious at this point. Mm -hmm. I wonder when you're in that period, I mean, we saw aspects of it with Lisa, although that was a different situation. But I wonder how she is going to respond to this when there may or may not be some questions about custody. I mean, I think he also only filed for custody for the kids he and Drew had together and not the not the one who wrote who, a book about. Mm -hmm. Right. Not the child who inspired a fucking book mm -hmm. about how to be a great step parent, which <laughs> is I, I, maybe there's a legal reason for that. Maybe I don't know. Because he didn't, I don't think, formally adopt Josiah. Maybe that's a part of it, that I he mean, can't formally ask for custody. But hopefully he remains a presence and a parent in this child's life. Right. You would hope that there would have been some stipulation of like, you know, in order to continue the level of care for the children and, you know, whatever, that, you know, he would also want him to. But yeah, I mean, maybe there's a legal reason, but just like knowing rickety ralph you never know <laughs> you never know you never know i mean shout out to atlanta for an episode that i think i laughed during there was something <laughs> i forget what it was and also p.s shout out to sound baths which i firmly support mm. and i have had incredible sound baths that have been just like very emotionally revealing where i've been really vulnerable and they're great. I just think I think they're great. So on that in that sense, I think like some of the healing that took place with with Kenya, with Sheree, yeah. with Marlo was great to see. Yeah. Kenya really having a moment about her like love for Brooklyn and wanting to have another child. And yeah, that was really like uh, Kenya that we maybe never have seen before. Totally. And I do want to shift gears to another episode that aired last night Please. potentially different vibes and potentially a different form of reaction to the experience of watching it how are you finding yourself processing enjoying potentially or not the new york reboot thus far 
I'm I'm loving it. I'm in like spiritually I'm in Aaron's bedroom. I guess that was the only one with heat in it. So like I'm I'm comfortable in there <laughs> and having a good time. Um yeah, I'm loving it. I'm like I'm having no problem. I've never been like super precious with my housewives. Like I love them and I'm near and dear and I might like mourn one or two when they leave, but I'm also like we can move on. Like I'm fine with that. I can keep on with the train. And I've been doing that and I've been having a good time. Do you like it? I I really enjoy it. The thing is, people are saying, like, I'm obsessed with it. I love it forever. And I love that journey for them. And I really genuinely am enjoying it. Mm -hmm. I have to be honest in those moments because Orange County has such a hold on me right now. Ooh, and yeah. it's, like, delivering in such an impactful way. We're in the genocides. We are in the genocides. I didn't know until I spoke with a guest on an upcoming episode that Jen and Ryan decided to sell like dick pic themed merch. Did you know that? <laughs> I saw a picture. I did. And it's not good. It's not good merch. It's not good merch. It's a terrible idea supported by the fact that it's also poorly designed and like in every way it's bad, which is honestly a gift to us. It's a sign that Jen was exactly right for this world and the sense of humor and way that she is trying to respond to a lot of attention around her shitty boyfriend is exactly what I want to see on a first uh, season housewife. Like I don't want the Aviva method where someone's like, oh my God, I was wrong about everything because I'm so scared about being fired. Like right. this is what this is what I want. Lean in. I want I want leaning in. I 100% want to and, lean in. And you know what I we don't talk about enough, Sarah, is the chokehold that the trucker hat merch has on the Orange County ladies. <laughs> they will put anything on a trucker hat. Like every slogan <laughs> they could possibly think of. Every one of them. Every one of them has a trucker hat line. Yeah, it does feel like time has slowed in Orange County and they are still in the <laughs> mid-aughts. And honestly, all the more reason to love and adore what we are seeing because, I mean, icons of the craft, really, truly. But um, I digress because that was completely my fault. I, I distract myself like a Labradoodle <laughs> chasing after a treat when I think about Orange County. So when it comes to New York, there is a lot to unpack on the most recent episode. I do, though, just want to start. You mentioned finding a place in Erin's comfy, cozy room, potentially the only one with heat. Related to that, related to comfort, is there a housewife who you find yourself connecting to or being focused on, which may have to do with a connection or may have to do with wondering, like, what the fuck are you doing? Ooh, I mean, I'm really loving Uba. I'm really not understanding why everybody's acting like Jenna's so strange and odd. I, I don't get it because I find her to be pretty open about everything that is being asked of her, with the exception of like the stuff about her partner, who I think she's already said on her Instagram who it is. Like you basically just like, no, I think she announced, I think she announced she shared more information. Yeah. So I don't really understand what everybody's saying. Like, Oh, if she would open only just open up a little, you guys would see the real Jenna or the warm Jenna. Like, I don't really get it. I like her a lot. I would like, I would say like, I would have a drink with both of them, but neither of them drink, but like, I would hang out with them for sure. We could eat, we could eat stuff. And I would like that. <laughs> yeah, it did feel like 
Aaron especially and Bryn and Jessel and Uba, essentially everybody but Jenna seemed to feel that Jenna's discomfort was a sign of being elite. Like the fact that she had maybe a little bit of discomfort. It was her first ever girls trip plus some like genuine environmental stuff, including the fact that there was no fucking working heat in that goddamn house. Right. And that that was seen like, God forbid, she's listening to, you know, them have loud music. She has a very, very early the next morning work call. There's no heat where she's sleeping and she might still be a little bit uncomfortable about what the fuck she signed up for. And she has a, I'm sure, lovely house somewhere nearby, which they've all decided is a mega McMansion by the by water. <laughs> like the fact that these women have decided to put aside any circumstances and to blame her for leaving late at night to return the next morning, a time in which they already noted they were asleep. It's like, I don't totally understand the connection of those dots. Yeah, I think everybody like overestimated or whatever you want to say like I think people expected the audience to read Jenna differently particularly Aaron I think and yeah all of them want to make her the villain in the situation where to me it's like she had already gone to bed so it's not like she like ended the party and was like I'm leaving or like she tried to slip out and was being sneaky like she left she came back she brought coffee for people like it wasn't that deep she's having the girly morning breakfast with everybody that's what you wanted and that's what you're getting also Aaron deciding nobody can eat feels sort of unrelated to Jenna's preference not to have shakshuka until after cardio since she literally did not have any food in the kitchen and for her (laughs) to be like it's Jenna's fault that no one has eaten since the day before and my cupboards are barren it's like an absolute wasteland and p.s. she has somehow designed she has somehow designed a refrigerator that is absolutely impossible to open so even if you can fucking (laughs) Alexa or Siri your way into getting that door to open up it's not like there's gonna be a lot inside and to continuously like lol joke that it's jenna's fault that she is a house uh whatever the fuck she is a hostess decided not to provide anything relating to sustenance or snacks was nuts like that was a little nuts to me well, can a bitch get a Luna bar? Like nothing? What's going on? Where are the Luna bars? <laughs> like, where are the Luna bars? Where is the like fiber, whatever? Like, where is a rice cracker? Right. Where is the bowl of fruit? Like, is there fruit. a smoothie potential? I mean, right. when Luann was trying to fuck with Dorinda, apologies, trigger warning to talk about old New York. She was like, get me a masseuse. I want to have somebody fuck with my back in an hour. Mm-hmm. This isn't that. This is like basic survival right. by having a dish of literally anything. Right. Look at Fiji. She probably was like, oh, my God, I only have three eggs anyway. Um, It was Jenna's fault. Jenna, Jenna said we couldn't have it. So <laughs> what happened to all those ingredients? And also, why didn't she make it 
after the fact. It's like they are lending such importance to Jenna's advice on everything and are removing the fact that they can disagree or make different decisions and then blaming her for that. Right. Like Jenna didn't have to. She doesn't run anything if you don't let her. She was fine. She was chilling. Chilling in her chinos. Like leave her alone. It was weird. I am extremely into Jenna and love. I thought that, you know, I uh, uh, chatted with her briefly at the New York premiere and she joked that she was a dud. And now I'm watching these episodes and I'm wondering how much of that was like her thinking because I am not the prototype of a real housewife potentially on another franchise that I was not a success or maybe because I didn't like create conflict in a certain way that I was not a success Mm -hmm. and I'm just wondering like how much of that was just kind of internalized doubt about her performance and how much of that was doubt that her cast members like put on her that's a great question I imagine she probably has like a very specific idea of housewives of being like bombastic and taking up a lot of space which is what like Bryn seems to be doing which I'm not even like mad about but she just like she knows where her angles are so to speak yes. <laughs> that Bryn <laughs> and you know I think maybe because Jenna didn't like ask for attention in the way that the other women do and and like they're not she's not speaking over anybody and like she's not creating situations out of nothing and eggs and like you know it's just I I, probably because of that I I imagine it's probably both I think she's so interesting and I felt like there were moments on the new New York which were exactly why people watch Housewives Mm -hmm. when we're hearing someone share vulnerabilities and we can talk about our own experiences and you don't have to judge a person for having a different lived experience than your own. It's just about the ability to like process and connect to it. And there was something that she said when it came to quote unquote dressing up the ways that the women wanted to dress in a way that they felt potentially sexy or beautiful. However, that, um, uh, you know, however that is defined by any individual and Jenna's reflecting on that and reflecting on the idea of dating and the differences of dating between a man and a woman and two women. And when it came to her um, seemingly initial discomfort with putting on what seemed to be a little bit of a costume for her, she said, everyone says you should dress like that more often. And that is the old me. When I was a woman trying to attract a man, I did everything through their lens, which I thought was so interesting. And I'm curious for your reaction. I thought that was really interesting because I had seen a TikTok of somebody who said that I think what the women weren't realizing, especially Jessel, was that like with the lingerie that they were getting were seen through the female gaze, not through like the male gaze that they're accustomed to like catering to. And, like, for that reason, maybe that's why Jezel, like, didn't quite get it. Um, Because, like, to, you know, to Jenna, obviously, she was like, oh, that's, like, very beautiful. But, like, to her, she was like, oh, no man's going to want to fuck me in that. But 
yeah I thought that was like a really interesting thing that she touched on um something that I hadn't really like given too much thought about before but I'm really gonna start thinking about it now and she kept she sort of referenced her previous life and that there was a way that I used to dress and this is who I was and yeah. it seems very intentional like the way that Erin is sort of joking about what's in her closet that there's a lot of stuff but a lot of it is button downs and I'm just thinking from Jenna's perspective that's a reaction and a feeling that she had connected her own sexuality to her identity and what she wore which is a really interesting perspective and observation for someone who worked in the fashion field who worked in retail who Mm -hmm. was seen as the person who was setting trends for any number of people um, especially in the U.S. and to see her talk about the fact that like it almost felt a little bit like a not a step back but just a position of like I don't know if I'm using the word correctly and I want to be respectful, but like the idea of it feeling like a costume, like it, mm-hmm. it wasn't that when she was wearing these things, she was doing so because she thought that this is what a man might find sexy and also maybe in some ways struggling or not necessarily understanding or feeling like there was a barrier when it came to her own sexuality the ways that we look at makeup and hair and beauty and clothing as an enforcer of our sexuality in many ways, as an expression of our identity, which can include sexuality, but is not all that. I mean, like I watched her, I, I, I had like an aha moment. I literally went, aha, when she said it and I rewound it and was like, again, aha. And then this morning when I was one, I was like, oh, aha, like wanted to transcribe exactly what she said. Cause I think the, her use of language, uh, is important and specific, but I just thought to myself, that's so interesting because many people surely, as you said, when it came to the lingerie, Jessel's perspective was likely informed by what she thought men would find sexy. And I think there was some other stuff there, too, because she For mentioned sure. the sizing and her own struggles with her body um, since giving birth. And with the Jenna of it all, I just found myself thinking, like, I'm I'm literally we're recording this there are a zillion dresses behind me. I am a dress and Manolo girl. I have two phases, literal sweats with no makeup and whatever I'm wearing was purchased for $9.95. And then like ball gowns galore. And when I am, I love, I love clothing. I love style. I have a very, very specific style and idea of what it is that I enjoy. I find a lot of, um, expression in that Mm -hmm. I find a lot of pleasure like genuinely it's you know wearing vintage jewelry it's a form of self-pleasure for me and I just thought you know when I'm putting these things on who am I putting them on for and the genuine honest response is I'm doing it for myself if there is someone else another being or gender if we're thinking about it through the gender um binary it would be for other women, but at the end of the day, it's genuinely because I want to feel good. For sure. I, I'm totally with you. Like, there's nothing better than like, 
feeling good within myself but then stepping out and like if another girl's like oh my god I love like this set or whatever you're like oh my god you just like made my whole day like way more <laughs> than a band ever could <laughs> it's, it's such a good feeling and yeah it is interesting to think like how obviously that was on Jetta's mind and like how that may have translated to all of us through like the mass commerce that she created and, and put out there like what does that mean? What were the impacts of that? So interesting. Totally. And also, you know, if I'm going to a little cocktail party or event and a little gentleman caller is like, oh, you look great in that. Am I going to be, you know, unhappy? Oh, I'll flip no. my hair. Sure. No, I'll be like, I'll give a little red lip. Yeah. I'll be like, hey, what's up? Like, let's talk. <laughs> How old are you? 53? Perfect. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, it's not, it's, it's, it's not to say that that aspect isn't a factor sure. sure yeah like for for sure it's just the idea of a person's identity in their clothing from someone who became so popular and well known because of clothing and fashion it to me makes a lot of sense that she has changed the ways that she views herself and her own sexuality her own independence and her own desire and that that is different and that the idea of putting on clothes similar to what she wore and also sold however many years ago yeah yeah prior to coming out especially when the coming out was like put upon her by a new york tabloid there's so many elements there and an element of trauma in that like new york post experience so when someone's like why don't you want to look sexy in the ways that we think sexiness is defined I could understand her being uncomfortable with that mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it happens a lot and it's also interesting to see these like top designers they all kind of like edit down into a uniform eventually like I was looking in Isaac Uzrahi's closet on on TikTok and he's like just everything's black I wear three shirts or three pants, these shirt, like two pairs of shoes and that's it. Like it, it's also very interesting. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is time. It's like, mm -hmm. I want to put the least amount of time, um, into what I am wearing because my focus is on the fashions that I'm creating. Yeah. So if you find something that works for you, a lot of people do that where they're like, there's a specific silhouette. I'm like that a lot with A-line dresses where I'm like, I know how this is going to fit. I know what I want to be fitted and what I want to be a little more structured. Yeah. And there are certain looks that I think people kind of cling to. And also it can be hard to get out of um, the box. Like I literally own one or two pairs of jeans, which I haven't worn in years. Mm -hmm. I'm not a jeans or pants person. I'm literally only dresses and skirts. And I think it's just how I am. I feel comfortable in them. Yeah. I love a dress or skirt moment. I love vintage color, whatever else. And, you know, when I'm playing around the hinge, which has been happening less than, than normal, although normal wasn't that much, um, <laughs> often I get the reaction from guys who like reach out or whatever, like, oh my God, you know, your photos are all in dresses and skirts and like their version of like, wow, she's like a throwback in a way. And 
the ways that they assign uh-huh. my style and personality with like their idea of what my identity is. Yep, I could only imagine. <laughs> is typically very wrong. Uh-huh. Like there's the idea of like dressing a certain way and maybe maybe because the dresses are are very feminine that I am going to be maybe softer than I am. Trad wife kind of vibes. Traditional wife. Yeah. And it's like, no, no. that's not, no, that's no, no, not no. it. No, that's not it. Just because I have road. dresses. No, wrong, wrong road. <laughs> like, wrong road. But again, it's about the identity that's being placed upon you by other people and your own instinct of how you are creating your identity through your clothing, through your hair, through your jewelry and just overall fashion and style, Mm -hmm. who you are doing that for and why is to me endlessly interesting. I agree. I'm totally with you. And I also think she, Jenna dresses fabulously. Like I know those jeans are expensive Mm -hmm. and they fit real well, you know? They do. She has incredible style. I mean, she talked about a pair of, oh, wait, was this on the show or on Watch What Happens? She talked about a pair of blue sequin Prada shoes that are like the light of her life. It's like her number one treasure in her closet. And now I can't stop thinking about those blue sequin Prada shoes and like how deeply I need to see them because you know that they are a moment because the way she was like cradling them in her eyes, like just the idea when she was talking about them and it was just like a softness and like a a respect. I just thought, Jenna Lyons, you need to come to the office. We need to take a tour. Right. And we need to have a deep dive. I mean, the, 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 care that she um and the kind of like love and gentleness that comes out and how she has communicated about um fashion is is lovely and the pointedness too it's great a thousand percent like yeah i want to see what excites jenna lyons i want eyes on that for sure for sure i did see in the preview i think it was queens of bravo who was like look at her washing dishes with half a million dollars worth of bracelets <laughs> in the next episode it's like god bless her <laughs> i also forget that she was like the ceo or whatever what was it ceo of j crew president mm-hmm. ceo something the whole like thing. that's a that's yep. a fucking ton of money i never thought about that and then when people are just like referencing jenna's wealth on the show i'm like oh yeah like i don't know why i find that so surprising but i'm like oh wait how much money does she have like for some reason i'm like oh yeah like it's just like I don't, I don't know what that is I'm like oh wow she got one of those like salary salaries well I mean it's not just the salary it's like oh you're getting the stock options and and when they're going public and like what is it you know that's nice that's real nice I'm sure yeah some of that J Crew money meanwhile if I could get a hand on one of those um sequin skirts sequin pencil skirts from her era oh my god oh my god at peak jenna lyons i don't have one and i want one what a moment and there was also another moment when it came to sort of translating a person's behavior um and a sense of nuance that's other that i thought was sort of otherwise missing i really appreciated at the lunch brunch when uba seemed to be the only person in the room or maybe the only confessional that was shown, but the representative of a feeling I think a lot of us have in understanding that like, yeah, Jessel talking about the dress looking like a Christmas tree is not probably 
great and maybe not the most gracious response to being presented with a gift is to say repeatedly how maybe unfortunate you think it looks. But the importance there was sure in the color, Christmas tree, whatever, but like how she felt in it. And for Uba to talk about the fact that she felt like in those moments, Jessel is crying out for help and might have trauma from the experience of going through IVF so many times and, you know, her struggles right now with accepting and loving her body Mm -hmm. and the way that it now is. I really, really appreciated Uba's awareness and clarity because I feel like a sense of empathy is totally missing from these women who are just like, fuck your husband. (laughs) Bye. Like, just fuck him. Like, you know, have sex with him. It's not that hard. And it's like, well, I mean, that's not always the case. But, you know, it's not just do it. It's the new the new Nike slogan is like, Jessel, fuck your man. It's like riding a bike. Like, yeah, it's very like they have a very um, like college humor level of like understanding of what might be going on, which is interesting because most of these people are mothers. It's interesting that Uba picked up on like the trauma that went through IVF having not really I mean I don't know if she's explored it or not but like it it was just interesting that she that she picked up on like the levels to which this might be uh, affecting Jezel um which does not take away from the fact that she still continued to be an asshole about it but it definitely (laughs) (laughs) it definitely like it it paints a picture it it, like paints a full picture of like what is going on because it's definitely like she's insecure in ways that are like very deep like even coming down the stairs you could see she like folded into herself with how insecure she was yeah and I just I really really I felt for her and feel for her and I wonder this is one of those questions of what happens when you watch yourself played back on tv Mm -hmm. it's not always the healthiest um, process, especially when you have other people who might feel um, a need or goal to like express some level of conflict or joking or coming in relatively hard, maybe because they always would do that, maybe also because they feel that this is being, you know, recorded and filmed and their expressions and responses need to be elevated as a result. But I just wonder for Jessa, like watching Uba's reaction. I could understand through Jessel's perspective, maybe that could potentially be a little upsetting to hear. But I also would, if I was Jessel, who I am not, who has the right to feel and react in any number of ways, I just thought there was something where it's just like, oh, I just felt like Uba really saw her mm-hmm. and gave her a lot of grace and that empathy that was missing in a way that felt loving that felt like that was the moment of care not being like go fuck your man which like yeah yeah. you can do but you guys aren't good friends like we're doing a shorthand here but we skipped the longhand part right because i think aaron said something along the lines of like oh you know like how could she have an opinion on lingerie anyway she hasn't had sex in two years like what (laughs) okay Which goes back to exactly what you mentioned about the TikTok or whatever, like the idea that a lot of this, it's not just Jessel and it's not um, only in the ways that Jenna was communicating, but a lot of this is like the idea of 
what to what looks the sexiest according to a man yeah yeah because are these women super concerned that like she's not getting her rocks or like that her husband's not getting it like who are they concerned about (laughs) well they did talk about self-pleasure I think on the last episode which I also appreciated like they were asking her if she had a vibrator but that was after all the like why don't you just fuck that's true (laughs) no that's true It took a while to get there. <laughs> That's a very, very good point. Yeah. And it feels like, um, I don't know. I wonder, this is where I kind of wish that there was a woman's perspective at the reunion too. Like I just right, kind of, because right. a lot of it does feel gender specific and I just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, that's that's going to be an interesting thing if it's handled, how, how it's going to be handled. Yeah, I would hate for the focus to be on like the nuts and bolts of fucking because I think you're really, really missing out on a conversation. And also, like not to be a superstar at math, because I kept thinking this. I was like, I think I'm an idiot. But so her her babies are a year old, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone keeps referencing two years, like when you become pregnant, you no longer have sex. And I don't remember Jessel ever saying specifically two years. I don't know if I missed it or what. I feel like at first she said, not since the kids. And they're like, oh, but they're one. And then when they got to like Aaron hearing about it, I think she may have said like, maybe not since the kids were conceived which would make it like almost two years at that point yeah then it would be two yeah but i was like if we're just assuming that they never and this feels almost creepy to discuss i have to <laughs> right. tell you it does feel like a line is being cr- i don't want to think about this this much right but i just would say maybe i don't know that that math is right she did again, correct them when they said it too. So I don't know. She, I don't she know. didn't correct a lot of things. Mm. I don't know. I think Jessel is finding her way through. And um, she did seem to me at the beginning of this, of the series, <laughs> LOL series, the season series has been here for a minute and a half. But at the beginning of this, she seems like a little bratty mm-hmm. in her presentation of like her personality. Um, and sure, some of the women are still kind of like referencing that, but also there's a lot going on and many things can be true at once. And she might be somewhat off-putting to some of the women in, in us, in how she's delivering these things. But there's also a lot of stuff that she's dealing with. And, uh, it's interesting to just like criticize the ways that she's communicating or the ways that she's presenting and not acknowledging everything else that might be underneath. A thousand percent. And like, not to hearken back to like OG Roni, but like, imagine how they would have digested this information. Like, can can you imagine? (laughs) This this would have gone in a very different direction. (laughs) I hate that I immediately thought this, but I was like, yeah, Ramona's getting the phone number for her husband. I understand. Me and Mario, hot, 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 even until the end, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta keep that going. (laughs) 
Oh, God. Um, listen, there was another moment I want to um, talk to you about before we shift to uh, an after show episode, which will be up on the AG Patreon, which was the conversation about Sai and Bryn's childhoods and the experience of, you know, sort of creating a chameleon-esque reaction to circumstances that mm. began out of need and out of survival. Yeah. And I was curious for your thoughts on that moment. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting that it began with like Aaron, who's always been wealthy, and Jenna, who didn't deny that she's always been wealthy, <laughs> being like, we love going to the dollar store. It's so much fun. It's so cute. It's I being like, mm, not really. <laughs> And then, like, really going through it and, like, her life seemed a lot tougher than I would have thought initially, like, having mm. to, like, I can't imagine being 16 and being like, my mom can't afford to keep me. And so I have to figure out a way to, like, live. I, I can't imagine that and how hard that must have been and, like, having to live in the dorms even though you couldn't afford to go to school there and and all that went through with that and like but also like having to move so many times growing up and how she had to adapt to different situations and people and and all of that but yeah it, it is interesting to see like it was kind of like a haves and have nots conversation even though they all effectively mm. kind of have it at this point but like they obviously took two different paths to get there you know and and what that looks like and um yeah I mean it really made me respect Sai a lot a lot and it's somewhat it's fascinating that her work now is a creator which to me who might be uninformed in this but like the idea of being a creator and someone who's looked at um as you know like uber stylish as someone who's uber stylish that for her to present like a very curated kind of life like I wonder what that feels like for her like the ways that she was able to survive and to provide for herself and the ways that she is now able to choose the kind of life that she wants to share on a highly public forum and it being surrounded by like luxury in many ways yeah just the creation of that and the direction of it and it being a choice. It was optional for her. Like that was the whole thing with the dollar store was, I don't know how Jenna was raised. I don't know if uh, she has created her own wealth as an adult. I have no idea about her childhood, but I mean the like LOLing about the dollar store as like coupon cosplay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I really was like, Oh my gosh. When Cy responded and was like, no, it actually like when you're joking and laughing about how like, cute and adorable the Christmas tree that my dad put together was like you're missing the part like you're you think you're being I think supportive or something but it's like yeah let me explain to you what you're missing in that right right absolutely yeah and it is interesting like now when she said in the in the premiere like I used to look at the these houses in Brooklyn that I live in now and be like how did they get there yeah like it must really like she must have used all of those tools to create this curation and also like I know what other people want to look like because I was in those spaces where like I wanted that 
And I'm like, oh, what do they have? And how do they have it? And how do they like put it all together? And like, yeah, she like created her own vibe. Good for her. Yeah. And the idea of daydreaming, the way that she talked about daydreaming, as you said, the way that Bryn talked about looking through the furniture catalog Mm -hmm. with her grandmother and envisioning what it is that we would get. I mean, the ways that that helped them create the possibility of a different kind of future, I think, was incredibly important. And the ways that we think of like housewives as um, like hashtag women who work. When we see a lot of the jobs on Housewives and oftentimes it's like, I mean, Linker and Cuffs is a bad example because she actually really did need the cash there. Still in, still in business, by the way. Still in business? Oh my God. I did once many, many years ago. I was like, how much is a fucking cuff? But it was so expensive. I was like, <laughs> I can't do this. This is too expensive to be a joke. Um, but uh, but shout out to anybody who bought one because honestly, I'm jealous. Um, so... You know, like the ways that some housewives are like, oh, I have a water line or, um, yeah, I have a new business that I'm working on and it's, I don't know what, but something odd and like wonderful like and mesmerizing. Jen's yoga studio that she's like, you know, I want to do it because I want to prove that I can do it on my own. But my husband does, uh, my ex-husband still owns 60% of it. It's like, okay, well, c- congrats, girl. <laughs> namaste. Namaste. <laughs> And it's great. And it's great to try to like create your own independence. But for some people, the the sort of like battle for independence is optional. Like when you attach that to finances, like the idea of like, I'm getting a job as an expression and a way for me to create my own new beginning. That's great. Like we love that. We want you to choose whatever kind of life you want to have, which may or may not include having a 1099 or W2 at the end of your calendar year. Like, we love that, whatever choices that you're making, God bless. But for many of the experiences and stories that we're seeing on Housewives, a a show that is in many ways about, about the elite or about escapism in some way, about having access to finances and or, um, you know, a certain kind of credit card. It's important, I think, to like understand that, like, that is a privilege to be able to do that. A thousand percent. Like not to talk about Orange County again, but like sometimes I really like I love Shannon Bador, but like she her being like, how are the twins going to go to college while you're in a store buying them three thousand dollar Louis Vuitton purses? <laughs> they just got back from a two week trip to Paris with their father. <laughs> like Shannon, let's be real here. Let's be real. <laughs> Shannon and my mother have very different ideas of what it means to um, shop with a budget. Right. And Shannon being like, it's not really about the money, but like consignment shopping is good for the environment, which great. Like we love. Cool. But so my way of like showing that to my kids is buying a bag that was like $2,800 right. because it's a deal, right. guys. And I want to show you. And it's like, okay, yep. And she's going to Paris for a year, gap year. Yep, yep. How do I become that child? I would like. <laughs> How are we going to make it well. work? Oh, no. <laughs> How are we going to make it work? I mean, <laughs> is the question of the hour, but absolutely a, a great point. And also, sort of the understanding that some of these lives might seem like 
they obviously are elevated because that's what we're supposed to believe. But we have really truly have no idea of what's going on Mm -hmm. behind closed doors, especially when there is not a camera crew in place. So I think all the more reason to hear the experiences and to hear experiences like the one um, that Sai shared this week, because I think it's important to have. And from a socioeconomic perspective, it's like that perspective isn't heard on Bravo. Mm-hmm. Bravo is not the channel that really shares that kind of story. Um, so all the more reason for us to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, the closest thing we've gotten is Bethany. And like, if we really peel back the layers on Bethany's history and like how she got all her connections in the liquor industry, it's like, well, okay. Lest we not forget, she was looking at a $6 million apartment at the end of season one. Season one of New York, you guys. Season one. Not for herself, though. Well, her and Jason, number one. But still, if you can move into it, I can't move into a $6 million apartment with my boyfriend. (laughs) I mean, you can't really understand the dynamic with Jason 2.0 unless you have met OG Jason. You got to know your history, you know. You really got to know your history. (laughs) And also, P.S., I mean, what a um, way to pivot. But more on Bethany, uh, I guess, today, the (sighs) day that you're listening to this episode, um, if you are following me on social, so go to my Instagram for some thoughts on all things Bethany. Hopefully that will be up the day that this episode goes up. A real to be continued. On that note, Caraberry, we are going to scoot on over to the AG Patreon because I have a lot more to discuss with you. And also I have been thinking about something you said at the very episode uh, at the very start of the episode for the last 80 minutes. Oh, so God. we are going to talk about okay. it. And so I'm very, very excited to continue the conversation. In the meantime, where can people listen to your podcast? Give us a little bit of information on what they will be enjoying when they listen in and how can folks follow you on social? Uh, My podcast is called Everyone's Business But Mine. You can listen to that everywhere and you can follow me on Instagram at Everyone's Business But Mine. If you guys are, and I know many of you are, looking for a Sister Wives recap podcast, Sister Wives begins next season, August 20th. I will be here recapping every week. So check it out. It's going to be a good time. I don't know anything about Sister Wives, but I do enjoy hearing about the recent breakup with Christine. Her Christine. name is Christine, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy, and the guy, I forget his name. I was going to say Cody, but I know that's not Cody, Cody with a K, right? Cody with a K. Cody with a K, of course, and a Y. And yeah, this season, upcoming season, will all be about um, the last two leaving the family. So it's going to be very exciting. We even got a fuck you Cody out of one of the wives. So it's going to be good. They said fuck you Cody. She said straight up fuck you Cody. To Cody or in the confessional? Right to his face as he was leaving her home. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're going to have a great time. How did he respond to that? <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> Oh my God, that is incredible. I absolutely need to listen. Um, Speaking of listening, listen to our after show conversation that's about to occur by going to the Andy Scrolls Patreon. Number one way to support the pod, patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls. Follow me on Instagram and threads at Dame Galley. Cara Berry, thanks so much for joining. This was a total delight. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, you're the best. Guys, thanks for listening and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.